Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies and moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Well, great day. This is Dr. Joseph Juan Walker III, and you're tuned in to Next Level Leader Podcast, where we attempt to inspire, encourage, and expose you to some of the greatest minds and greatest thought leaders on the planet, and helping you to stretch as a leader, become all that we believe God has deposited in your life. I want to thank all of you so much for being a part of this podcast, and of course, I want to thank you for sharing it with as many people as you can We have crossed the threshold of 50,000 downloads, and we are on our way to 100,000 before the year 2020 ends, and we appreciate you helping us to do that. Share it with at least 10 people, and we appreciate it. It's absolutely free, and we want you to be engaged because this podcast is about keeping it real, sharing strategies that can help all of us become a better you. Today, I want to talk about a subject that's very dear to me, and that's leading while bleeding. Why did I choose this subject? It is because there's so many leaders who are suffering in silence. Often leaders are on public display, but are having private struggles, private conflicts, and they're forced to perform and produce at high levels and often negate the fact pain that they're experiencing is actually affecting them. I believe it's important for every person who's hearing this to understand that leadership is tough work and leaders do get injured. Injury occurs in a variety of ways. Injury can occur through betrayal, loss, setbacks, disappointments. And just because you are a leader, it does not exempt you from having to experience these kinds of attacks. Fact is, is that those of us who are leaders understand that there was a responsibility we have while leading to be very, very clear that bleeding may be a part of the process. So we talk about this today. I want to share five areas that I believe will be helpful. And before I get into that, I want to share with you a story. It was the year 2003. I was at a very good place in ministry at the Mount Zion Church of Nashville, Tennessee. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. I've been married at that time for nine years to a dentist named Diane. We were on national television and I was preaching all around the world. And I sat in the doctor's office with her after a biopsy and I never shall forget that day, the surgeon said that he found a lesion on her pancreas that had metastasized later we discovered, to her liver. It was neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. It was devastating. And at that moment, I began to experience my own vulnerabilities, began to question God. And I left that appointment with her and found myself having to go and prepare myself to minister to the people of God on Sunday. This occurred on a Friday And there I was on Sunday having to minister. The amazing thing about that is that nobody knew the depth, the pain that I was experiencing in that moment. 
and yet having to minister with a straight face as if though nothing was bothering me. Because often leaders want to appear invincible. We feel that our weaknesses cause people to doubt our leadership. And so therefore I ministered for two years, ministering at the Mount Zion Church on the mountain of Mount Zion, coming home to the valley, watching my wife deteriorate before my eyes. And me having to reconcile not only her pain, but my own pain. My wife passed away in 2005 after a two-year battle of this cancer. And here I was as a leader, having to reconcile how I was going to address it and deal with it. And I chose to deal with it publicly. I wrote a book called Life Between Sundays. It was a cathartic work for me. And that book dealt with how often we show up on the workday. For me, it was Sunday. And show up the next Sunday. But nobody talks about the stuff that happens in between. Ironically enough, Diane was born on a Sunday and she was down on a Sunday. I want to share some of that story with you and some of the strategies and things that helped me navigate that very painful experience while I was leading a major congregation and bleeding at the same time. I've experienced a lot more pain than that. I've had people I've invested in to betray me. I've been falsely accused. I've had so many different things to occur. People that I've helped turn their back on me. And in those moments, I've had to reconcile that pain. And I had to acknowledge the fact that I was bleeding, like some of you listening right now, reflecting over and chronicling the things that have occurred in your life. And nobody ever helped you understand that bleeding sometimes is a part of leading. So as a result, I want to share these five things with you because we're all in a fishbowl, right? And we're in this place where people are looking at our lives on display and every move we make, every experience we go through, they want to know that we say the right things and do the right things. And, but I want to be as transparent as I can today as possible to help you as a leader understand how to navigate through your experience. First of all, it's important to understand how to reset expectations. What I mean by that is that there are certain expectations of people who work for you or who depend upon you. And that expectation is, is that you would respond a certain way going through or you would deal with a particular crisis on a particular wave without showing any level of weakness. People expect you to continue to go full speed regardless of what has occurred in your life. But I think it's important, first of all, when it comes to the people who are expecting certain things from you to reset those expectations that people can understand that when leaders are bleeding, they need time to process it themselves. They literally have to work through their own emotional environment and struggle through that. And you have to help people give you space to work through your own pain. You have to help people reset their expectations that you cannot be at everything and do everything because you too are human. I'll get to that in just a moment. But also resetting expectations for yourself. There was a tendency, and I had to guard myself against it, of staying busy and just staying busy and using busyness as a sedative for my pain. Make no mistake about it. Trying to stay busy as a sedative for your pain is an illusion at best. It is quite deceptive because the moment you are still is when it will fall on you like a ton of bricks. Some of you have experienced that. 
when you find yourself alone, it's like you go into this deep, dark space, right? And it's hard to bounce out of it. It's because you have avoided dealing and confronting the grief, confronting the pain, confronting the trauma that you've experienced. I've often said you can't fix it if you're not willing to face it. So resetting expectations has a lot to do with how I reset those expectations for folks who are depending on me and how I reset them for myself. No matter how Herculean I think I may be, it's important for people to embrace the second principle, and I'll spend a little time here, on embracing your humanity. You know, it doesn't matter how much people hear all your name. It doesn't matter how many things you accomplish as a leader, how renowned you may be. At the end of the day, you are a human being. One of the marvelous revelations we have in Scripture of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, is that he is 100% God and 100% man. And yet he suffers as a man. He does not suffer as a God. He suffers as a man. And as a consequence of him suffering as a man in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see a glimpse of his humanity. When he pleads with the Father, let this cup pass from me. And then he watches those who have expected much from him not be able to show up and be present in the time he needs them. And yet, in the midst of disappointment, when his own disciples have fallen asleep, he goes back to pray again. And the Bible says that sweat came from his brow like drops of blood. The level of anguish is unimaginable, but yet it is his humanity that is crying out to his father in a moment of contemplation and negotiation. But yet he yet comes to a place spiritually where he says, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, we can't negate the fact that we are human beings. No matter how spiritual we are, no matter how powerful we are, no matter how much money we make, at the end of the day, it is our humanity. We all hurt, we have feelings, we have emotions, and no matter how we try to over-spiritualize them or we try to philosophize our way out of them, we try to think critically around them, we hurt. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to say it hurts. It's okay to have a moment when you declare that today may not be a great day. Not going to put together a bunch of theological phrases, trying to act sanctimonious and make people think that every day is always a great day. Every day is for me is not a great day. There are some days I want to crawl into a hole and never come out. There are some days that I can't stop crying and don't understand why. That's a part of my humanity. Days in which I'm negotiating with God. Days in which I don't feel like getting up. Days in which I'm just tired and exhausted. And so when you embrace your humanity, you become a better leader, right? Because I believe that it is out of that experience, out of our humanity, that we're able to really be in touch with the power of God. It is in our weakness that we discover his strength. The scripture says that his strength is perfected in our weakness. It's okay to be human. It's okay. Take the S off your chest. You don't have to be super mom here, super dad here, or try to be the rock for the family to help them get through the crises. And everybody's depending on you. Remember, you got to reset expectations and you got to recognize your humanity because while everybody's depending on you and you're cracking and you're, you're the one that's about to fall apart, what's going to happen when you're not there? So it's okay to say, I need a moment too. I need this grace upon my life too. I need to heal too. I need to put my trust in God. I remember clearly when I was going through my crises and I was saying, but Lord, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if, I, if I'm away and, 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 and if I'm not there, if I'm not you know, at, at optimal strength and the people need me? And I remember very clearly God saying to me, give me my church back. At the end of the day, it never belonged to me. It's his. It's his responsibility. And 
Whatever purposes that God has given to you and I, you have to allow God to control it. Let him navigate it and you take care of you. You are a human being having human experiences. You hurt, you cry, and yes, you bleed. The third thing I want to share with you, I think that's equal as important, is this idea of finding a safe place to be vulnerable. Now, this is a tough one for some people because, you know, oftentimes we're not easily open to going to have conversations with people we don't necessarily trust. And to that, I agree, it is tough. But as a leader, you must find, locate, pray about a safe place to be vulnerable. And so you don't hold this stuff inside of yourself, but you get it out and you're able to help other people. Because if you are harboring these emotions without releasing them, you have that balloon effect, you know, that the air fills the balloon and it wants somebody lets it go on at one time, it just goes all over the place. That's what begins to happen with a lot of us because we don't have a safe place to be vulnerable. I did something very interesting when I was going through the grief while she was sick. And even after she died, I connected with a, a counseling group. It was powerful. Gilda's Club. It was a place where people went who had loved ones with cancer. And I was in a group of spouses, right? And I didn't go as Dr. Walker or Bishop Walker. I went as Joseph because I had to disarm my titles. I had to be a human being, right? I had to reset my expectations and go in there as a human being, as a husband who was hurting. And I was able to learn so much in that group setting because I was around people who had similar situations and we drew strength from one another and it became a safe place. And I established lifelong friendships out of that place. And even when she passed away, those same folks checked on me. They came to the funeral, they were supportive. You have to have a place. And sometimes, you can't necessarily depend upon the people who you think are your friends to be that safe place of vulnerability. It doesn't mean that they don't have good intentions, but it means they may not be equipped to be that for you. Sometimes you have to have people who've had those similar experiences to really have empathy and understand your plight to give you wisdom and guidance to help navigate you through those seasons you've never gone through yourself. As a leader, you must humble yourself and come to a place where you're willing to let someone pour into you as a leader because you're always pouring out, you're always giving out, you're always giving advice. I mean, I was sitting in there thinking, boy, I could give a good scripture right now to help this group or I could give a good sermonette. I can give a good impartation right now, but it wasn't my place to do that. It was my place to be still and listen and be poured into to let someone do to me what I've been doing. And as a leader, because you give so much, because you pour out so much, you don't realize how much you need it in those moments for someone to pour into you. Find a safe place. Find a healthy place. A place that you won't be exploited. A place where you won't be abused. Because you really can't get healing from the place that hurt you. You got to find this safe place. It's there. A place you can be vulnerable and transparent you can open up and share the deep issues of your life can go to the root of the issues I talked about in my book, Restored at the Root, a place where you can go back into those issues and but you're not judged. See, when I was there, I wasn't judged. The days I was mad at God or the days I was contemplating giving up on everything, nobody judged me. They just let me talk and let me talk it out. And I came back to my senses. That's what you need. Because when leaders bleed, they have to have places they can go. They feel vulnerable. They feel safe. 
you know someone who's a leader and you feel like, man, they need to get away and get in this place, encourage them to do that. Don't let them continue to grind and move busily through life, thinking that that's going to somehow fix the problem. It is deceptive, unhealthy, and it will all collide upon them when they are still. When we are still, it means that we're in a place where we can be still and know that he is God. The fourth thing is not to leak through the bandage. Now, let me help you with this. This is big. I shared with someone who was a leader a few months ago. I shared with them, listen, I know you're hurting. I know what you've gone through has been scathing. When I said your mandate's bleeding. I shared that to suggest that often when leaders are not in control of the bleeding, when they continue to try to lead without having done anything to reconcile, mitigate their pain, they bleed through the band-aid, which means in everything they do, every decision, every interaction, you can tell that their pain is coming through. You can watch how they deal with people. Their emotional intelligence is all over the place and they become pensive and rigid and very authoritative and You've seen people like that and you wonder, what is wrong with you? What's going on? You're, you know, this person was a great leader, but now they become a past master or they become very harsh to people and very insensitive because they are bleeding through the band-aid. It is important to understand that that's not what leaders do. We bleed, we deal with it, we bandage up our wounds and we keep going. But when we start bleeding through the band-aid, it means that it's permeating every area of our life and affecting our relationships both personally and professionally, and therefore it is catastrophic in its impact on our lives. We've got to be clear that we've got to deal with this stuff, and we've got to deal with it in a way that it does not impact the reputation of our work, the legacy of what we've built up. We've got to make certain that we're not bleeding through it. As a pastor, I was very very, very intentional about making certain I was going to bleed through the band-aid. You know, that's when you're preaching and every time you preach, it comes out. You're still bleeding. Every time you talk to somebody, it seeps out. You have to ask yourself, is the trauma and the pain continuously seeping out on the stories you've been telling for the last five or ten years? The same stories you're telling right now, every single time you're talking, you're bleeding through the band-aid. You've got to deal with this. You've got to deal with the wound. Even if you have to pour antiseptic in the wound, it may hurt. But deal with the wound and bandage the wound properly. That's what counseling does. That's what this process does. It is not a pretty process. It hurts, but it is necessary. And properly bandaged, it is properly covered and dealt with so that it can heal, so that you can heal, so that you can be who you're called to be as a leader. Because you are to lead effectively, you cannot bleed through the mandate. You see, the thing before I go to this final point about leadership in this fishbowl is that there are expectations. There are a lot of things that people levy against us. And that's why we began talking about resetting expectations and also the expectations we have on ourselves that I'll just keep going no matter what's happening in my life. I don't care how hard it was. I don't care what kind of trauma. I'll just shut the door and that like can never happen. And I'll keep moving on. You're turning corners. Even cars touch brakes before they turn corners. Because if you don't tap the brakes, you'll run right for the ditch. It is important to embrace your humanity, to accept the fact that you are a human being with a human experience, and it's okay. Jesus wept. People cry. You hurt. You go through. You say, ouch. 
like everyone else. It's okay to not be as pretentious and act like you're Superman or Superwoman. Life itself, sometimes it just hurts. And it's okay to embrace your humanity. But also it's, to work through that is to find a safe place, right? To be vulnerable, get around someone who can pour into your life and give you wise counsel that can help you navigate the space who has gone through what you're experiencing right now at some level. You're not by yourself. It's a marvelous places on the planet you can find to go in and not be who you are. You don't have to be the boss CEO. You don't have to be the principal. You don't have to be the real estate agent. You could just be an absolute first-name individual going in, talking to people who care. And then don't get to a place where you're bleeding through this bandage, where you're leaking it every time you talk, we can sense it coming. That's why it is important in this fifth and final principle to not just settle for healing, but to pursue wholeness. You know, when I think about this, I think about the narrative of the woman with the issue of blood in the scripture. It's marvel the story of a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. Issue. Issue. She had an issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years. No one could help her. She'd go to the doctors only to be disappointed, spend all the money she had, and she heard that Jesus was passing by. And when Jesus was passing by, she got in position, and the scripture says that she made her way through the crowd. Scholars say she pressed through the crowd from the rear, pushed her way forward, and she got very low. And when she got close to Jesus, she touched the hem of his garment. She touched what was touching him. Jesus stops in his tracks. Now, originally, he's on his way to Jairus' house, but he stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? The disciples are curious why he would raise such a question with a multitude around him. Jesus said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. They said, but there are a lot of folks touching you today, Jesus. And look at the crowd. There's no virtue went out of me. Because, see, Jesus knows the difference between a rub and a touch. There's power in this touch. There's desperation in this touch. There's faith in this touch. This woman has come to Jesus with her issue, with her bleeding, hoping to get a cessation of it so that it will completely stop. And when Jesus turns to her, this woman, your faith has made you whole. When she touched Jesus, immediately her issue dried up. She not only got the healing, but watch what Jesus says. Your faith has made you whole, which meant that her being healed was not just enough. Because if she had been healed only and never experienced wholeness, she would still have to live with the residue of the rejection of the experience that she's endured in culture, people isolating her and ostracizing her based on her condition. And so therefore you may experience healing, but you're still dealing with the emotional residue that causes you to still bleed through the bandage. I think you hear what I'm saying as a leader that it's okay to be over it, but are you really over it? It's okay to say that, you know, I had betrayal, I poured into people and they're no longer here, but have you really gotten wholeness from it? Have you gotten wholeness out of that experience now that you can literally move on and it does not impact you in the way in which it did? Healing is one thing, but I'm pursuing wholeness, wholeness of mind, wholeness of spirit, to be one with God again so that I can be the best me I can be. You see, as a leader, it takes a great deal of courage to admit that, that I need to be whole again. It wants me to operate at a level that 
produces the quality of fruit that I'm trying to produce to lead people where I'm trying to take them, it takes a whole person to do that. Listen, as leaders, all of us experience disappointment, setbacks, betrayal, death, a variety of things that rock our world, that shake us, that cause us to bleed in ways that other people may not ever imagine. Often the level of pain that leaders have to deal with is so excruciating that often most leaders end up turning that pain in or either talking to each other about it because they have no other outlets to share it with. It's a silent struggle. It's the unknown. Often it's the elephant in the room that leaders have to deal with. And the fear of appearing weak or not having faith or not being the strong leader that people assume we were keeps us from actually being honest and transparent about what we're actually experiencing. If you're listening to this today and you're hurting or you're going through pain as a leader, I encourage you to talk to somebody. I encourage you to make a phone call to a good counselor or group, someone that can help you walk through this pain so that you don't have to pretend and continue to try to produce in the midst of all of this because at the end of the day, if you're not right, nothing's going to be right. You cannot continue to bleed through your bandage. But you can lead while bleeding. You can still produce your dreams Divisions, you can build your team, you can purchase the building, you can accomplish the task. You just have to be honest about the process. All of us go through these moments. It took me a while to get to a place where I had to accept it. As tough as it was, there I was, the leader of this huge congregation, standing before God's people. And I remember the day. I cried. I cried for me. Unapologetically, embracing my humanity in front of people who had expectations that perhaps I never cried or never felt. I was only an encourager and a strong rock for them. I needed them to see my vulnerability. I needed people who had their confidence in me as a leader to see me broken, to see me deal with my crises in a way that would give them permission to deal with theirs. Listen, we're none of us are perfect and we're certainly not superhuman. We are called to leadership and while leading, we might bleed. But we yet can produce at a high level and we yet can be effective and when I pray that as you take these five principles to heart, do what you know is necessary in order that you might be the extraordinary leader that I know you are. I thank you. I'm praying for you. You can lead, even while bleeding. I'm Dr. Joseph Juan Walker III, and I want to thank you so much. Reach out to me on Instagram at josephwalker3. Let me know if you were blessed by this podcast. I'd love to hear it. Share with somebody you know who may be bleeding right now, calling you complaining. Let them know you need to hear this because all leaders bleed, but we must bleed right in order to lead right. And until next time, you be blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcast or download it. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.